Hey, uh, welcome back to another episode of Brain Bites, short, sweet. Uh, we just talked about what we learned this week. Kieran, my friend, how are you? I'm delightful. I mean, look, we always say this, the weekend is near. Got a lot of food places lined up, which I'm keen to get get jiggy with. Burgers. I'm just, I'm so ready to devour, mate. Ooh, behind trend. I swear burgers were popular in Australia about five years ago. Yeah, We've I'm moved so on. Far, I'm so far removed though. Do I miss, by the way? I really miss grilled burgers. Like oh, legitimately, yeah. Yeah. they just so good. Crispy bacon cheese, get in my mouth, panini, boom. I think you've just sorted lunch out for me. If you haven't had a grilled burger, get yourself to Australia, try one. So this week in Brain Tours, what did we get up to? Mate, it was a big one, wasn't it? We uh, released episode 25, Resilience Brains at Work, which is very, very exciting. A very good episode, I dare say, where you looked at like how we actually bounce back from yeah. failure and how we actually manage stress at work. And, yep. mate, I think you've been leading the charge on this one, but apparently we're on TikTok. <laughs> we are. We are. Look out, Gen Gen Z. Look out, the next generations. We're coming for you. Uh, yeah, TikTok. Brain tools on TikTok. I can't wait to see your rude mug on TikTok. Just uh, become <laughs> another. You'll be a brain influencer. That's going to be so good. Content yeah. creating king. <laughs> content content people. Yeah, look out for us. We'll be the ones with the terrible TikToks having a good time. No, nah, it'll be good. We're excited about it. I'm excited too. And also, there's a bit of exciting news coming on because we're working on a few things uh, that are in the pipeline, yeah. Samuel. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got the we got a website being built, a Brain Tools website, which is going to be fleshed out, been a bit distributed um, since we started. So that's going to be really excited. I know we've had quite a few requests from people in particular asking where they can get the Brain Tools after they've listened to the episode. They, they want to go find them. They want to go back over content. They don't want to go listen to my uh, scratchy voice for an hour just to figure out where that one thing was that they said. Smooth FM Sorry. voice, man. Chris, Chris Voss vibes. Chris Voss, smooth FM. So we're going to have that <laughs> website um, in, the, in the background. If you've got any suggestions for things you want to see on the website, please hit us up. Just hit us up on LinkedIn or Instagram, wherever you're at. Uh, and we're continuing this Brains at Work series. So first few episodes have uh, been really, really popular, getting some great feedback, and we're going to keep 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 on. Keep keeping on, I think. Keep keeping on. I'd like to think so. And, hey, if you've got people at work at the moment that you're thinking, hey, they could use a little bit of applied neuroscience at work, just share it with them. Share the love. Got got some got some more episodes coming. Be great. Give it around. Give it around. Share it around. Email it out. Look, a link goes a long way. It does indeed. But what I will say is, as always in Brain Bites, we have actually, we like to think we've learned some stuff this week. You hope so, at least. So I'm going to put this on uh, you, Sam, as we always do, sharing one thing that we've sort of seen for the week that we want to deep dive into. What did you learn or discover this week, my friend? So I've pretty much wrapped up reading um, a book by Norman Deutsch on neuroplasticity and the brain that changes itself. Great book if you're interested in neuroplasticity. Absolutely ripper. It's a great book. Uh, I really liked it. Very, very dense in terms of the material that it covers, but fascinating nonetheless. And one of the things he talked about, maybe about three quarters of the way through the book or two thirds of the way through the book, is this idea of having processing deficiencies in like language skills, verbal skills, semantic skills, actually leading and contributing to um, uh, deficits in terms of your social interactions. And so the examples he uses people with you know, autism or Asperger's syndrome often have issues processing language and semantic language and verbal fluency. And what happens is it makes them more socially awkward because they struggle to keep up with conversations. 
That is so interesting, mate, because I've never really thought about that link between, like, obviously we need to have conversations, right? And that's how we build our social skills when we're younger. But I mean, we underestimate language, right? <laughs> I think right? Is, is the key thing because I'm sitting here being like, I find that fascinating, but I imagine you had some reasons where you're like, this is so interesting. I think I really did because I'm thinking about the times personally, but also the friends I know where some of the, the verbal skills or English skills weren't um, at the same level as a peers. I used to tutor a couple of kids who really, really struggled with the vocabulary and also making sense of sentence structure, semantic processing. And as a result, they felt awkward because they couldn't keep up with conversations. So it's really kind of added this lens and frame to social situations where I look at it now and I look at people who struggle in those situations. And I'm even thinking about my, my dad and his um, inability to, to frame things in emotional lens, probably because he, a lot of the time he doesn't have the words. He doesn't actually, have the language. It's so good to, to say that because, again, there's so much stigma around it and not really mm. people understanding the reasons why. And that's why a lot of people would fall into learned helplessness, particularly when if you don't have the language, how can you actually interact in a conversation? Um, Absolutely. So I think that's huge. So in terms of it, like obviously you deep dived in the book, you've gone through it. So how does how does this whole thing work? And have you got some other examples? Yeah. So effectively, when we have a part of our brain responsible for processing a specific function to do with language and making sense of words, which is mm. what so much of social situations is about. Um, when we have deficiency, for example, in our semantic processing or language recall or response time, um, what happens is the brain has to make up for that lag time. And so, for example, you're sitting around trying to make sense of a sentence while other people continue on the conversation. And an example might be if you've ever tried learning a foreign language and you really struggle to keep up because your brain doesn't have the recall of those words. And so therefore you feel awkward in social situations because you can't contribute. You're struggling to put that semantic processing together. And from like a practical lens, um, a couple of things you can actually do is to find where some of those gaps you might have uh, in your, your own skills, your own language skills, to use lack of a better word, and then try to work on those. So I got, I got a friend who takes improv classes. That's improving his ability to respond in the moment because he finds he struggles with keeping up with the conversation. Um, I'm going and taking speech classes, Toastmasters classes, because putting myself on the spot forces me to recall ideas, language, vocabulary, uh, and makes me better and more fluent. But it could also be, you know, if someone struggles with vocabulary, it's as simple as putting in the time to practice their vocabulary. And what you would then notice is that it has a flow on effect to their social skills. Huge. I love it. So, so the long and short with this one is we just want to be mindful massively in terms of the, the gap or an awareness, so to speak, when it comes to language, especially in social situations. And the yeah. way you want to try to remedy this is self-directed neuroplasticity, right? You've got to practice yep. it. So for you, putting yourself in situations where you're actually practicing these spontaneous sort of conversations, so to speak, so that when you are put in the situation next time, you're able to, to do it. Yeah, exactly right. Have a look at what you struggle with when it comes to conversations and language and then find ways to go and practice that because getting better at it will make you better socially. I can't wait to hear how Toastmasters go. I've never done it before and I've heard great things. I've also heard bad things. So you're going to have to report back to me and let me know what the vibe is. I'll let you know. I'll definitely let you know. But I'd also be very curious uh, to hear what you've learned this week. Nothing. No, like a word. No, 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 no. So I have um I think this week was an interesting one because I think I've told you this before. I sort of do this weird thing where I hold quarterly board meetings with myself. Um and sort yeah, of just sit have. there and sort of just reflect upon my life. How's it going in certain areas? Give yourself and, a performance summary. Uh literally, it's again, you know me, I love an audit, I love reviews, <laughs> I love all yeah. this sort of stuff. Um, but this one was a really interesting one because I was 
I was sort of looking at how things were going, particularly in like you know, relationships, career and all that sort of stuff. And I was when I would deep dive into it, I just saw that there were very there were a small number of things that were contributing to the large amount of problems and also mm-hmm. a large amount of opportunities. And I know we've spoken about it before on um, on Brain Tools episodes, especially when it came to sort of habits and addictions, but was Pareto's principle. Uh, if you yep. remember us going through this. And for, for context, again, just to remind people, it's basically that um, Pareto, this Italian dude, he basically found that 80% of crop yields came from 20% of the crop types. And I think that's the whole idea of that 20% of stuff or input is responsible for 80% of output. And I, I sort of sat there and I was like, this is probably something that people intellectually understand, including myself, but probably don't actually implement it. And that was me in a nutshell. I was sitting there oh, being yeah. like, hold on, what's 100%. going on? I'm not actually doing anything about it. So that was what I learned for the week. Ooh, it's such a good one. The amount of influencers who like to chuck out the 80-20 rule, but then they don't actually apply it. Uh, me. In, like, me. In conversations like in a board meeting, I'm like, oh, that flows the 80-20. And then yeah. I'm like, I don't really use it in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haven't applied it once. <laughs> no, no, um, once no, once. So why why did you find it so interesting? Because I know you already knew about this, this law we've talked about in the past. I think the interesting part for me was, again, a reminder that humans have a tendency to sort of think linearly. Like we don't really think exponentially. And so we think things like sort of additive. And I was sort of sitting there being like, hold on, there are so many different things that follow this distribution. So I suppose in terms of like how that works as an example, right? Like, you know, 80% of your sales come from 20% of your clients is a classic case. But like the the Mm. way that you should optimize moving forward as this sort of mental model is like, hey, if I just double down on 20% of clients, I can grow my revenue base by a massive amount. Um, another one would be, you know, angel investing. We love to talk about it. 80% of our ROI comes from 20% of your investments. It's why people yeah. do 10, 15 investments and know that 14 are going to fail, but one's going to come big time. And I think the one that the two, the, the few that were actually really sitting in my life that I thought would be really interesting was we've talked about um, in the sort of productivity episode was 80% of your procrastination comes from 20% of your temptations. And um, mm, yeah, there's so many examples friend. of this, but the one that I do want to highlight specifically was that 20%, so 80% of your happiness probably comes from 20% of where you spend your time. And so that was the big thing for me was sitting here, here's a mental model, uh, you know, a brain framework, so to speak. But um, yeah, using it's probably the key thing, hey? Yeah, well, it's all about that implementation, which is why you should listen to our Brain Tools podcast because it's practical. But <laughs> but that's a, that's a really good way to think about it and probably highlight that problem of not implementing it. I haven't thought about unhappiness before. Yeah, it's happiness is the one that, again, because you could probably use many different sort of independent variables, if you like, whether it's yeah. time, friends, whatever it might be, but it definitely follows that curve. So I think just in terms of if you wanted to do this with your own life, for example, is like pick an area of your life. It could be relationships, it could be social media, it could be your career, whatever it might be. And you want to define sort of inputs and the outputs, right? What are the key activities that lead to the outcome in that area? List the inputs. And then what you'll find once you list all the different sort of causes, so to speak, is that there's probably only one or two that have the biggest impact. And then you just want to optimize for that. And you end up making your life hopefully a whole lot better. So keep in view, this is the experiment over the next three months is to try and uh, do this. <laughs> so back hey, if my life completely deteriorates, <laughs> you know that I haven't actually used this. But uh, that was my my big learning for the week. Again, making sure we're implementing this stuff as opposed to sort of like intellectually being there. Oh, yeah. We, we, everyone likes to intellectualize, um, intellectual masturbation. So, like, effectively what you're saying is kind of actually 80-20, the things in your life, have a look at what's bringing you joy. Have a look at that 20% that's providing the 80% return on whatever acti- activity it is. And then going out and actioning that rather than just talking about it. 100%. I think those are two decent lessons for the week. Now, we've just got to implement yeah. them, like we said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all well and good talking about them. Now, let's go and do them. I like um, it. 
Great. Well, that pretty much wraps up Brain Tools, uh, Brain Bites for this week. Tune in next week for another one and uh, for our episode next week as we continue our Brains at Work series. If you like this episode, what you can do is you can be really, really cheeky and you see that share button on iTunes or on Spotify or Podbean. You see that little button there? You hit that. You can post that directly into your WhatsApp group uh, or Facebook Messenger or your old school text or you can get a homing pigeon and write it out and send it that way. But sharing that link (laughs) shares the episode um, and shares the love and helps us uh, really helps to support the podcast and get the word out. That's that's all I've got really. That's that's it. Brain Bites F2. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks. See you next week.